Welcome to One Interview, One World. This is Lainey Kay, and this is a show about interviewing people from all walks of life because everyone has a story to share and we can all learn from each other. I hope you enjoy listening. Yeah, it actually touched me that much. So after the surgery, I saw the smiles on his face and it was everything to me. So for me, it, it's not just about photographing. It's about having to be involved in the lives of these people I document and actually trying to share their story, hoping that some person somewhere would actually benefit from it. And maybe, just maybe, I would help in the um, reorientation of my people concerning some issues, especially about women living with fibroid. Yeah. Lainey Kay with One Interview, One World, and today I am meeting with Mero Chu, and he is a documentary photographer and storyteller based in Lagos, Nigeria. His core stories are centered around empathy, social good, and changing stereotypes. His works have been exhibited in Nigeria, including the Abuja Photo Festival, and has been published by DIPTYK magazine, Morocco. He's the founder of Humans of Aqua Ibon, which I probably didn't say right. And he's currently documenting women living with fibroid. So, Mayor Otu, I would love you to tell me about yourself. Thank you again for having me here. Um, my name is Mayor Otu, real name Aqua Otu. I'm from the South South region of Nigeria, from Aqua Ibon, specifically Aqua Ibon State. Um, okay, family of two, I have a younger brother, um, studied biochemistry, actually wanted to be a doctor somehow, but I did, that didn't happen. After school, okay, I was um, writing for a magazine, I actually became an editor for a magazine, so that's how photography came in, because I actually wanted pictures to use it. On my works okay and you know how photographers are they couldn't come in on time the images couldn't come in on time and, and all of that so i decided to use the camera myself so since ever since then i'm stuck here so photography has been yes and your and, passion uh, a couple of years ago okay about a year some months i moved to lagos which is the commercial city in nigeria so i left a bomb and i came to lagos to actually face the real world and all of that, yes. So um, Lagos is is like a very big city in Nigeria? Yeah, it's like the commercial city in Nigeria. So if you're into anything and you're not in Lagos, it's just like you're doing it in a very small place. So you need to be in Lagos to be in the mainstream, yes, basically. Okay. And where you came from, was that a small town then? Yeah, it's, it's a state... Yeah, in Nigeria, we have 36 states and the FCT, the Federal Capital Territory. So we have several states. So my state is one of them, Aquaibom. That's why in the bio you read, they said I'm the founder of um, Humans for Aquaibom because I started documenting my own people back home before I moved to Lagos. So that was how the name came about. Okay. All right. And then can you share about your Instagram account and being a documentarian in Nigeria? Okay. Um, I 
actually didn't start out being documentary photographer. I I was just like I said, I was with a magazine, so I had to look for pictures. But after the magazine, I actually chose to okay photography. And a lot of people where I come from, they were into wedding photography, they were into beauty photography. So I didn't just want to join the queue. I actually wanted to stand out. I wanted to do something different. So one of those days I went to one of the popular markets in my city um, back home. So I, I did some photographs of people selling, people buying, market women and all of that. So if I, I, that was how I started. So I posted it on Facebook, my Facebook page, by the way. And um, it had a lot of comments. And I think a, a, a few um, editors came through for the pictures they wanted to publish them to. So at that point, it made a whole lot of sense to me that I could actually do things with photography that's not weddings, that are not um, beauty photography, and people still hire me for it. So I started going to, from places to places in my own state. From, because where I come from, we have a lot of um, riverine areas. I went from Oran to um, Ikotobasi, documenting people from my own place, sharing their story. And I actually used my Facebook platform to share this story. So that's how it started. Then I now opened um, an Instagram page. By the way, you could check it all out on Mayo too. That's at M-A-Y-O-R-O-T-U. That's my Instagram page. So basically, I post um, the stories there, and um, when I moved to Lagos, I actually had a whole lot of things to document because Lagos, you meet people from different parts of the country, and so that's how it's been, documenting from a small town, and all of a sudden after going for an exhibition, I had the need to move to the big city, and here I am today. How long have you been there now? I've been here for a year and four months, yeah. Was it a big change for you? It, it was because where I came from, like I had mentioned, it's nothing compared to what it is in Lagos, the lifestyle, the traffic, the people you meet, and it, all other challenges, the um, living conditions, um, um, a lot of other things do you get. So it was a big challenge for me. But I wanted more for myself, personally. I wanted to be out there. I knew my works were good, but I wanted to be where more people can say it. I wanted to be where people hire photographers to do documentary art. So I knew it wasn't going to be in my small town. I had to move to Lagos. Mm-hmm. And do you do well doing that as a job? That's all I do right now as a job. It's like my full-time job. I don't have any other job. <laughs> well, that's positive. That's very good. Yeah. Um, so do you, are you working independently then? Or are you you're hired kind of independently for from people? Okay. When I first moved here, because um, having to move from one city to the other, it, it wasn't easy. So when I came in first... I didn't actually have a lot of equipment. I, I, did, I didn't 
basically have a camera there. My camera just got spoiled. So when I moved, I didn't have all those things. So I, I, I had to work with somebody a few months. I, I worked with the person. I was doing event photography. I was doing product photography for the person. So in a couple of months, I could save up and get my own camera. Immediately I got my own camera. I decided to be on my own. So right now I'm a freelance. I work independently and people hire me to do jobs for them, hire me to um, go document stories for them and all of that, from ranging from NGOs. Yes, so basically that's it. Okay, so a lot of non-governmental organizations that are doing help for the community? Yeah, they're doing humanitarian services, they're doing um, awareness um, projects and all of that, yes. That's fantastic. You must be very happy about it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, like what, like I said, what drives me is actually what you get. It's about seeing people living in a condition that you cannot actually survive and you're actually complaining. It's about looking at women who are going through a lot and, and the society are not actually helping them. It's about looking at children who have a Right of future, but because of where they were born and the things they go through in their communities cannot get education. So it's about those kind of things. For me, I always say that I don't give because I have too much, but because I know what it means to have nothing. So what I do revolves really around that. Mm, very, that's beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah. Did you grow up poor then? I, I can't say I, I grew up poor. No, no, I didn't grow up poor. My parents were um, civil servants, so my mom, my dad was a civil servant. My dad, my mom was a teacher. So basically, we just me and my younger brother. I had everything I wanted. At least they could afford to give me if they could save up. So it is not. It's not about how I literally grew up. It's about how I felt. Because when your parents have to save up money to buy stuff for you, when your parents have to work a couple of months, because they pay them at the end of the month to give you stuff, and there are other parents who do not have these jobs, and their kids can have what you have. And there are also other parents who don't need to save up to buy stuff for their kids because they are rich already. So do you get getting in that in between the rich and the poor, so I know how it is. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't poor. <laughs> right, but you saw how people struggled around you. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Okay. I know that you have some really neat stories that that you've shared on Instagram, like the rosemary story. So I wondered if you would like to share some of those. Okay. Um, I think um, the um, there was a point. Uh, before I moved to Lagos, where I went to this community with um, a friend of mine, they were with doctors trying to do like a what's like health outreach mm-hmm. in a place called Ibiono in Akwaibo. So when we went there, yes, my job is to photograph, but what actually differentiate what I do with some what other people do is that I am more interested in people. I actually literally like talk to them, have conversations with them, um, be a human being, not a photographer. So when 
we went there. I saw this guy I was supposed to photograph. I was just having a conversation with him, asking him how life was, what he was doing, was he okay, and all of that. He now told me about how he struggled to leave. He showed me his hand. It was one scene I can never forget for the rest of my life. Um, he had blisters all over his hands because of hard labor. He doesn't have any other skills, so he helps people out in the farm, mm-hmm. weeding, and he helps people break palm kernel. So if you see his hands, the blisters, it was too much. So I was connected to that. It wasn't just photography for me. So I photographed him, shared his story on my page. Luckily, some people came out and helped him out, which I really appreciated because at that point, there was little I could do as a photographer. Like the money I went with, I gave him some. But that, I knew that would be enough to help him out. Mm-hmm. So I had to put this yeah, out there. Um, fast forward to last year that I was... Um, opportune to um, document women living with fibroid. It was one singular project that changed my whole life. Uh, I've been hearing stories about fibroid. I've been hearing people living with it, but I've never experienced something like that before. So we went for the project. I I was excited to be a part of it, actually. Mm -hmm. But reaching this scene, listening to women share their story from who actually, their husbands left them because of fibroid. They said they were bewitched. They couldn't have kids. They had a problem with the family. Not knowing it's just a medical condition that could be dealt, dealt with. Wow. Get. So it, 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 I see these women, the frustration, the tears. One actually said, um, when she told the person that was supposed to marry her about her condition that the man actually tore the medical report and walked away and that was nine years ago mm-hmm. and he has and she has not heard from him again so it it was me listening to people share the stories and um, photographing them during the process and in the surgery room it, it had this connection, like someone have, you know when someone has shared a story with you and then you follow them to the theater, it's, it feels like family, someone you've known before. So in my heart, I'll be praying, let them, let this surgery go well. Mm-hmm. So that, because I want to see them on the other side. It, it was really, really touching. So I told myself, this would be my lifelong project. Like, I would try as much as I can to put out awareness about fibroid. I did on my on my Instagram page, a lot of women sent DMs that thank you for sharing these stories, thank you for pointing torch light to it, thank you for making us know that it is more than just um, the belief of the people that fibroid is bad. It's um, like the women were very grateful. So I thought about it and I told myself, I think I should do a documentary film out of it so that I could create more awareness for people, especially women living with fibroid. And, and also in the trip, a man came with his wife. They did a 16-hour drive just to come 
and make sure his wife got um, the surgery. And I asked him why. He said, when he married her, it was for better, for worse. It, it's not just for good days alone. So he has to be there. I saw him not sleep for about two nights because there was no place for him to sleep. Wow. It, yeah, it actually touched me that much. So after the surgery, I saw the smiles on his face. And it was everything to me. So for me, it, it's not just about photographing. It's about having to be involved in the lives of these people I document and actually trying to share their story, hoping that some person somewhere would actually benefit from it. And maybe, just maybe, I would help in the um, reorientation of my people concerning some issues, especially about women living with fibroid, yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. It's so transformative and so helpful for the community. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying. Like the Rosemary story you, you talked about, just like every other project I went, I didn't go to photograph Rosemary. I just went with my friends, the Purpose Foundation, um, shout out to them. They actually came together to throw a Christmas party for kids living in the slum area of Makoko, Lagos there. So they actually told me about it. Mayor, please, we would love you to come and document this party for us and all. Uh, okay. On the 22nd of December last year, so I went with them. There were a lot of kids, like over 2,000 kids, and they were sharing from school bags to snacks to food, they threw a party and all of that. So I was photographing people when I met Rosemary. Immediately I, I saw her. The reason I do what I do, like I spoke about empathy, came back again. I knew as a photographer, my art is what I can use to change the direction of her life. So I photographed her in the best way I knew would actually drag empathy. I put the story out on my Instagram page. I was overwhelmed by the support. People came through, sent in money, sent in school supplies and all of that. And thank God today, we've been able to take away the wooden clutches and give her a walking aid. And there's this organization that says they will give her artificial limb up until she's 18. So for me, it's not about photography. It's about just using my art to change life one time or one person per time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's so beautiful. And you did. You obviously touched her life. So I, I absolutely wonderful. Wow. Then and the yeah. and the 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 association or the organization that's gonna continue to help her, uh, that's fantastic. All the way till she's eighteen. That's just beautiful. It's beautiful. I, I, I couldn't just thank them enough. A lot of people the support was amazing. It actually come to show that Nigerians still have a good heart. Uh, people still want to support people they don't even know. So uh, when we say Nigerians just want to live for themselves, there was Mary's story showed me the different side of Nigerians, that they will support people even if they don't know them, if they actually can connect to the person's story. Mm -hmm. So that was it. So if people do want to, um, you know, see your stories, it is at Mayor Otu, so M-A-Y-O-R-O-2. O-T-U. You, yes. And then you also have another one um, 
the other website uh, at Instagram, um, Humans of Aqua. And then how would they, if they were touched and they wanted to help, how, how do they send money or, or gifts or things like that? Yeah, but basically now, uh, I know a lot of people outside Nigeria that have asked me to help. Uh, they wanted to help. But the Nigerians that are outside Nigeria that has helped, especially in the Rosemary issue, sent money directly to my account. But well, other people have asked me to um, start a GoFundMe account for all my projects. I'm still looking at it because I am not trying to be start a, um, an NGO. I'm a photographer. I'm a documentary photographer. Uh-huh. I'm just documenting. It's not about raising money to do all of these things. It's about documenting the real stories of these people. The ones that need help. Just maybe, yes, we'll do a GoFundMe account for that project. But I'm still thinking about whether I just want to open a GoFundMe account for all my projects. I, I'm still thinking about that. But for now, I just want to be a photographer that's just going about telling stories of people. Got it. Well, why don't you share with us what Nigeria is like as a country? Well, Nigeria is a beautiful place. Like, um, from because I've actually been to almost like I've been to the north, I've been to the south. I'm from the south, south part of Nigeria. I've been to the east, I've been to the west. I live in the west now. So let me start from what should I start from the north part of Nigeria? I don't know. So you start. You tell me. Okay. Okay. I'll start from the northern part of Nigeria. The northern part of Nigeria, um, the, the weather there is actually um, dry. It's hot. Sometimes you have up to 35 degrees, 40, depending on where you are. And um, the food is amazing. The, the, the people are just amazing. Um I, where I stayed one time, like in Jos, Plateau State, the weather was so cold that we, it was about, um, some days it's about five degrees too. Mm. Yeah, so uh, we had, um, the food is amazing. We have um, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, farms, um, watermelon. We have all the foods, like, it's basically... Most of the foods here from the north, the, um, from ground nuts to um, rice to beans and all of that. Yeah, it's really, really good up there too and amazing. And come down to the south-south region where they have the crude oil. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, yeah, that's been supplying Nigerian regions for about the last decade or two. Um, in the south-south region, we have the water areas. The riverine areas are actually around there so from you, you have beaches you have um, places you can find all sort of fishes like it's really amazing you can find these kids that are like barely six they can paddle a canoe it's amazing. oh my goodness I, yeah it's amazing because they literally grew up on top of water so they can actually paddle canoes and all of that and um, the food is amazing where i come from they say says like the best place for food. So from the Afang 
to Edikaliko to Bekpamkukuo. Uh, it's really, really amazing. So you go to the east where you have the Igbos. Um, the food is also amazing. The, the weather there is good. And you have cashew nuts actually comes from there. So, yeah, it's really amazing. Then in the southwest where I am right now, because Lagos is in the southwest, the Yoruba. So it's amazing. It's Nigeria is like, um, you know, when you have a family and you have four kids and they're like different, but together in a way. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Well, it sounds you have, you have like family, a I, I have four kids who are actually different, but together in a way. They are connected, but they are different. Got it. So Nigeria is like, yeah, Nigeria is like that. They, they, everybody's connected, but they are also unique in their own way. Yeah, that's how I can explain. So in the, how many states then are considered in Nigeria or, or like counties in Nigeria? We have 36 states in Nigeria. Okay. Yeah, we have 36 states in Nigeria, yeah. And it's considered like a democracy, correct? Yeah, yeah, we, we are running a democracy. Now we have um, a president. Um, his name is um, President Muhammadu Buhari. Mm-hmm. President Muhammadu Buhari is the president of Nigeria right now. So we have the Senate, we have the House of Representatives. And um, in different states, we have the governors and we have the House of Assemblies there. Yeah. Okay. So kind of similar. And it and is... our general elections is coming up very soon, February 16th. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's probably... Ele- electionary period. So everybody's actually telling people what they will do for people, what they will not do and all of that. Yeah. So it's actually an amazing time too. Yeah. That's yeah. very cool. Tell me about the people. What would? How would you tell me about the people of your country? My people are very welcoming. Like, mm-hmm. um, if I say, most of the people I document, I don't understand their language. Mm. But they still smile and they still want to talk to you, even when they don't understand your language. Like yesterday, like yesterday, um, Rosemary's father just sent me a voice note thanking me for all the things I did again. But I don't know what he was saying because he wasn't saying saying it in English. He was using his language. I couldn't understand, but I can I could feel the energy that he was really thankful. I only had one thank you at the end. God bless you. Aww. So my people, yeah. So my people are like that. Like it's been a week or so. We we uh, actually helped out Rosemary, right? But every other day, they are sending me voice notes to say thank you. So they are very appreciative and they are very supportive of people. They want to see new stuff. Yeah. They want to know that people really care. So my people actually care about people. I could go for a trip and um, I've just put up word day. So if you have a house to exchange for photographs, just let me know. Someone would just tell you, come and stay in my house for free and all of that. So they are welcoming. They don't even care whether they don't understand your language or not. They just they're very welcoming. That's in one word. That's like beautiful. Are welcoming. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you should visit sometime, man. You should. <laughs> that sounds like that's fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, I love that. And and then you told me, so it's the land sounds, your land in Nigeria, it sounds, it, it sounds very pro, uh, prosperous um, or yeah. abundant that you can grow lots of things and it has a lot of things. But tell me a little bit about the land in Nigeria. Like I said, there are regions you can plant things. Certain things would grow better in certain regions of Nigeria. Like um, certain, like in some areas you have a lot of plantations. Like up north you have um, sugarcane plantations. You have um, groundnut plantation, rice plantation. Even some places in the south you still have rice plantations too. So it actually depends on what you want to plant and where it would actually favor it. So the land is very good uh, plantation yes best of lands actually so if, if 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 you're in the north you can still plant and things will still come up if you're in the south you can still plant and still get um good produce too depending on what you're planting yeah mm-hmm. people are farmers here even 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 when you're rich you still want to have a farm somewhere because it's refreshing to go back to the farm okay after like yeah, like in Lagos, after all the bustle, the hustle, the traffic, and all of that, you still want to go back to where you can breed fresh air. Like, and it actually happens in the farm. So if you have a farm, whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't really matter. Everybody owns a farm. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, what about animals? Do you guys have a lot of animals there? In it's, the point is, a lot of people actually feel that um, when they hear Africa, it's about land that's so, uh, filled with animals and all of that. Okay. <laughs> but, but no, it's not. It's not because the last time I saw um, Joko came for a concert in Lagos, and um, I was seeing his feed. People were saying, so there's internet in Nigeria? I'm like, what? <laughs> We're in the 21st century, so we have all the things the Western world have to, like, we basically, and Nigerians love technology, so we are basically, when it drops, we have it, like, anything that comes out, we have it. So when it comes to animals, you only find these things, at, um, let's say, um, it's either in the zoo, or you are at um, a place, like, these games reserves. Yeah, because there are gifts reserves all, um, all over the country. So when you want to see these animals, you have to go to some games reserves. It doesn't just happen everywhere, yeah. Okay. So we have animals, but it's in the games reserves where you go pay and have a trip at the safari and just see how these animals go there, yeah. Okay. And then, um, to my knowledge, Nigeria is a very... A, a huge country. I mean, it has a very big population and it has, um, it seems to be doing well as a country. But tell me what the perspective is, how people live, you know, the prosperity, I guess, of Nigeria. Okay, before I, um, let's say in the last decade, it was more about people who had government jobs, what um, they call it white collar jobs. So it was more about people who work for the government or work for um, companies and all of that. But in the last decade, entrepreneurs have actually grown up. Entrepreneurship has actually come of age in Nigeria. So you have many startups, 
technology startups everywhere. You have other fashion startups. You have um, so it, I, I've seen it actually change from a society who was totally dependent on government jobs and turning into people who actually use their innate abilities, their creative ideas to actually turn things around for themselves. It would be better if we have a lot of other support, like um, you can find um, a tech hub, you can, uh, a tech startup that needs help and all of that. Yes, I've seen, um, I've had a couple of Google um, sponsoring a lot of tech hubs here in Nigeria, but we can do more. The young people actually realize that they can't wait for jobs to come. So they have to create their own jobs. So from agricultural sector to um, other entrepreneurship um, spaces, the young people have actually done a lot for themselves. So I would say Nigeria would be prosperous in the because businesses don't just thrive in five years, in ten years. If you want to build something bigger, you have to put in work for like 20 years before you actually reap. So I believe that the set of entrepreneurs we have now in Nigeria, being the tech, fashion, music, like look at the likes of Vido, Whiskey, Puna Boy with the music, they have gone international. So gradually, because it started, music started of like a decade ago. So gradually it will come through to people in the tech business, it will come through to photographers, it will come through to fashion designers. In the next couple of years, Nigeria would actually be more prosperous because there will be return on investment in all of these sectors. So yes, I actually yes we have challenges about funding, about um, policies and all of that, but then with what we have the youth are actually making it work for themselves. So in the next couple of years, like he has worked in the entertainment industry in Nigeria, building it to a multi-billion industry. Other sectors will come up too. So the prosperity is just beginning, I think. Mm, okay. Are there a lot of poor people or poor villages in Nigeria? Like every other um, country, uh, especially Nigeria is a, uh, is a developing country so we are not like developed country even in developed countries we still have um, places that are not well developed we still have places that people can afford but maybe because the governments have um, found structures for those people to live off um, maybe taxes from the rich people and all of that um, what they call them security um, welfare uh, yeah, welfare and all that, yeah. So maybe we don't have that kind of structure right now in Nigeria for it to work. But um, would I say we have a lot of poor people? We have people who are trying to be rich. We have people who their parents weren't rich, but their kids or the parents sent their kids to school hoping that they would change the fortune of their family. So if, if, if we look at it, we will realize that what Nigeria was like 40 years ago is not what Nigeria is today because the kids, their parents who were not poor or who were poor as at 40 years ago, who went to school or who did some businesses are actually now have moved from the poor class to the middle class. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that joining is actually evolving every other day. So that means we will have a lot of people in the middle class 
yes, Nigeria has moved. We have, we have a lot of people in the middle class. Then we, maybe in, in the um, rural areas, there will still be people who can afford some certain things. And maybe because um, some social amenities are not available to them at that um, where they are, these rural areas. But then again, um, if their representatives in the government actually can do, and if other um, well-meaning people and organizations can also come to their aid, I think, and um, give them basic amenities. Nigerians are people, if they have basic things, they can actually take care of themselves. So I wouldn't really say there are a lot of poor people than there are rich people. I would say that there are a lot of people moving from that strata that you have the poor people to the middle class, yeah. Okay. And are women treated equally as men there? The um, issue of um, uh, women involvement in all the sectors of the economy has actually come on um, the limelight in the last couple of years because um, they want women wanted involvement in politics, they wanted involvement in um, the um, business world and all of that. So we have we have come to see women take positions in power. We have come to see women become heads of establishments, governmental establishment. We've come to see women being in the, the biggest players in the entertainment industry. We've come to see women um, become what they thought they would never be. So my, I actually believe that these women that have made it out are actually inspiring the next set of women because it's something it's one thing for a man to tell a woman like uh, you get it. men telling women you guys can do it it's another thing for a woman to make it up there and now tell other women can do it so I actually believe that these women that have made it are now showing the other women that we are we should not be relegated to the background that's women that women should come out to the center of it all and fix it because women would always make things work better that's my belief so um having these other women that are are making it telling other women to come through to be involved in politics right now you can a couple of years ago i think you not see a woman want to contest to be governor you not see a woman want to contest to be president but in the coming elections, I, we, we have women that are contesting. For, even in the presidency, we have a woman who's contesting for presidency in the country. So I think actually that would inspire a lot of other women to come through, even in the business area. We have women that are doing great stuff. One was actually nominated for, was it the CNN hero something? Yeah. Oh, good. So, yeah, so we have women that are doing great stuff in sports, in music, in business, and actually believe that they are the ones to inspire the next generation of women to take their rightful place. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what do you think, or what is your perspective about America? I, okay, when, when I, I grew up to learn that I had an uncle, my mom's um, elder brother. His name is um, his name is Doctor Ekene. He left for the US when that was 1984. I didn't even see him. Okay, so and he has not been back. Wow. So when 
yeah, he has not been back. He has not written anybody. We don't even know what's up with him and all that. So my idea of America, having grown up to listen to my mom talk about his um, only brother he had, that has not come back. <laughs> <laughs> so you see what I you see what I mean. That's personally, but I actually believe, and I have some other friends who have come there for school and they are doing great, and I'm really really proud of them. And I think it's a place where, because of the structures that have been set up, things can actually, people who are genuine, who have genuine um, ideas and they don't want to rip people off, can actually prosper there. Because I've seen my friends school there, live there, and um, they're doing really great for themselves. So I would actually say it's a place where dreams come true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. It's interesting because the first, I always wonder, like, what other countries' perspectives are about America. I mean, I think, I think it has in the past been a place where people look to to feel like they could come there and do anything and make their dreams come true. I do feel like that. And then I wonder, wonder what people think when they hear about all the politics and that happen in our country or the politics everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Okay. That's true. So, it, it's politics. It's uh, politics everywhere. Whether you're in Africa, whether you're in, in Asia, it's it's about how these things play out. People lobby for things to come their way and all of that because everybody wants that things to work a certain way for them. So, like most people, um, if the policies are not directly affecting people, actually think they don't have anything or any bias about it. Take, for instance, if they are immigrants from Nigeria and the policies are not actually taking their jobs away from them, I think they will not. They will just be okay. Mm-hmm. It's only when the policies are now geared towards taking their jobs, taking their welfare, about security, that maybe they, are not, they feel they are not secure enough there, I think that's when they will actually be more... Um, um, I think that's really the way we think that maybe, yes, let's think about these politics things and all of that. Or if, as it were, the, the jobs are still there, there's still a level of security, job security, and you can actually put in something and get something out of it. That's great. The people will actually decide to figure out how to live your life the best way and not even think about how the politics or the policy actually affects people. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. And then to be a Nigerian, I would assume you still feel like you're an African as well. Yeah, we, we get that a lot. Like a lot of people out there would say, oh, you are African. But Africa is a continent. Uh-huh. Africa is not a country. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, Africa is not a country. Africa is a continent. So, in Africa, we have different countries. We have Nigeria, we have Ghana, we have uh, Morocco, we have Egypt, we have South Africa, we have Mozambique, um, we have Sudan, we have Mali, we have a lot of other countries. So many countries are made of Africa. But yes, we are Africa and we are proud and loud. But first of all, we have we have other countries. So Africa, I would say, 
if you're listening to this, Africa, I, I'm not sure you can visit Africa in one year. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so when someone says, I want to go to Africa, really? Yeah. <laughs> Just mention the country you're going to. Say you're coming to Nigeria. Say you're going to Ghana. Say you're going to Egypt. Or you're going to Mozambique, South Africa. But you see what you're coming to Africa. It might take you a year to go to all of Africa. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's and a good way to explain too. it. It's beautiful too. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a friend who her husband's from South Africa. And she said, she goes, there's nothing more beautiful than seeing a sunset on the bush in Africa. It doesn't compare to anywhere else and she's been to, like, Hawaii, the Caribbean, other places. She said there's just nothing that compares to, like, the sunrises and sunsets there. It's beautiful. If, you, um, if you're where we are, like, in Lagos right now, and you happen to go to the coastal lines to see the sunrise and the sunset, it has a different feel to it. Like, it has the golden brown feel to it. So like a photographer, I always look forward to that time of the day. So if I want to photograph and I want real gold and these golden rays and brown rays to come through in my images, these are the times to go. So it's nothing to compare. Yes, I've not been, I've not seen sunrise in, in the States. Yeah, I've not been to the States before, but I know that the sunrise right here is so much more beautiful. <laughs> Maybe because I'm emotionally attached to it too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the that's something that's uh, a human love is that, you know, just staring at a sunset, you know, or the or even just seeing looking at the moon. I mean, we can all do that. And hopefully that, you know, I think my motivation for doing this podcast and I get a little emotional, but. And I think it's the same thing that what you do is you want to make the world a better place. Exactly. And you're doing a great job. And it's it's good that you're emotional about it because if you don't have these emotions running through you, it might just be a podcast to make your name out there. Like you, you find people who are doing podcasts and it's just about them becoming popular, like this is popular podcast here. This this person is a popular podcaster and all of that. It's about the fame to them. But looking at what you do and you're emotionally attached to it, it's more than just being famous. It's about you contributing your own quota, making life and making the world a better place. And that's the best gift someone can actually do. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how much money you've made. It's not about how many places you've visited, how many holidays you've had, the yacht you just bought, the private jets you fly in. At the end of the day, it's about what life you actually touched through what you do without even knowing. <laughs> that's the best part. I agree wholeheartedly. And that's, yeah. that sounds like that's what you're doing. So beautiful. And so, is there anything else you would like to share about yourself or about your country? I, I, I would um, want to say that um, in the past, um, 
when I see some movies, I hear America, um, Nigerian Prince says you send me money and all of that. Um, 419 Nigerian Prince and all of that. <laughs> when I see those when I see those movies and I see those stops, it actually does not um, in any way represents where I come from. I always, like, in my heart, I always say, I wish I could just see these directors one day, the scriptwriters one day, and I would tell them, just because one in one million do something does not in any way represent the beliefs of the people. So true. So, yeah, so you, you, you wouldn't say that because there was a shooting in school somewhere in the United States that all of the schools in the United States are not safe. Would you say that? Absolutely not. And very true. If, exactly. So you wouldn't just because something happened and someone, some way, one, Nigeria is almost like 200 million people. Mm-hmm. So someone, one person out of 200 million did something. And you actually now generalize it to the rest of the 200 million of us. That's not fair. So if I had the opportunity to tell them, I would say, we are good people. We have amazing. You've seen it yourself. Yeah. These people never met Rosemary. They never knew her, but they sent these gifts. This is what we are. This is who we are. We are people who love people, who actually would help people without knowing them. So I want the rest of the world to know that we are nowhere represented by the one person they call the Nigerian prince, really, because there's nothing like a Nigerian prince. Got it. Instead of you're, yeah, instead of you're a prince from one area in Nigeria, maybe in the north or in the west, because there's nothing like a Nigerian prince. Nigeria is not a kingdom, so there's not a, there's no Nigerian prince anywhere. So, and I would also say that um, if you're an NGO and you're listening to this and you are very interested in um, women, health, children, education, and all of that, you could reach out to me to, I want to be a, hire me for your projects, yeah, <laughs> because when you hire me, that's the way I actually can help and give, give back to the societies, because from the money I get from paid jobs is what I use to afford my own private trips, so... If you're interested of the stops, um, my email. Should I say it right here? No, you go go right ahead. Yeah. Okay, so my my email is bookings like b o o k i n g s bookings dot dot like the d o t not spell it out like dot mayo or two like bookings dot m a y o r o t u at gmail dot com. So please. Shoot that email. Let's talk about the projects you're interested in working in. Let's help bring a smile to a woman's face. Let's help bring smiles to a child's face. Let's help the world because the world needs you. For this world to be a better place, they need you. They need me. And um, they need even what we are doing with this podcast right now, One World. We are trying to make this world about to be one place. Whether yeah. you are American, whether you are African, whether you are Chinese, whether you are from Australia, you are from Brazil, wherever you are, we are first of all humans, and that makes us one. So, if you're listening and you want to reach out, you have a, a, a manager that reaches out in Africa, in United Nations, 
um, all those foundations are reached out, do their outreaches in Africa, please hit me up. I'm available for travels and all of that. So, yeah, that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. And then at the end of my interviews, I like to ask, even though you've probably touched on this many times, um, what do you think humanity needs to work on to make this world a better place? I actually believe that if we truly believe in our hearts that our dreams are meant to make the other person's dream come true, that we will give everything to live our own dreams so that that other person that depends on us will live theirs. And that way, this world will never be the same. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. And thank you again for having me. You, you, you rock, okay? <laughs> I want to say that what you're doing, it's amazing. It's really not actually, you're reaching out to people. I, I, I actually listen to the other podcasts. Um, the the um, underwater photographer. <laughs> it was amazing. Like I really loved your what you're doing. Trying to bring people together. Trying to do your bit to make sure the world is a better place. It is very personal to you, and I must say you're doing great. God bless you. Uh, may your dreams come through to you and all of yes thank you again for having me here <laughs> oh you're so welcome i'm so glad we were able to connect and i'm so glad you're able to share with people because they're gonna learn from you and they're gonna be inspired by you so thank you i'm humbled that my story can inspire someone i want lastly i want to say if you're listening and there's a point in your life that you re- you really feel that you will never amount to something Always come back and listen to this podcast. Because if someone like me left where I came from with no camera gear, with no lens, with nothing, with just a few thousand naira in my bag, but with a bag full of dreams, I came to Lagos. Barely a year later, I'm here reaching out and helping other people. There's nothing that's impossible. Just Believe in your dream. Follow your heart. Give it your all. Push it. Somebody is waiting to connect you to your place. So if you're listening, like I said, know that your time is about to come. So don't stop doing what you're doing. No matter the situation you find yourself, keep doing good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you're such a good inspiration and you speak so well and you're you're so good at motivating and I know that your life is going to unfold to beautiful things. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. You will do greater things and also your podcast to not worry how many people are listening because in this life all you need to change is one life. And that's so true, too. <laughs> well, so if one person listened to this and the person's life has changed, you have done something remarkable for the world. And thank you again for sharing your dreams with all of us. You're welcome.